0: Welcome to the Hello First Name podcast. The Hello First Name podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holi, founder of Omnichannel Institute and Chief Experience Officer at the marketing automation software company Hachitik. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Chapter 8. Content, Part 1. Messages. We need to position Sweaty Sunday differently from our key segments, Jesper said. He was briefing the marketing team for Sportmaster's new club membership advantage. Once every quarter, members would receive a 25% discount on almost the full inventory. Of course, the big discount drew a lot of attention and to some extent drove a significant proportion of the company's sales. However, through his years-long experience, Jesper knew that there was an additional uplift to be had. Sportmaster's most valuable segment was family child namely families with kids that do a lot of sports. Football was big with them, but these kids did a lot of different sports and there was no knowing what would be on the agenda this school term. In second and third place, they had women and men without kids. These segments tended to be more fashion-oriented and the dominant sports in the shopping behaviours of both segments were fitness and running. The way Sportmaster addressed Sweaty Sunday ranging across text, images, and the products the team chose to showcase in emails, should be totally different from one segment to the next. Jesper knew from experience that this could give them up to twice the sales that they'd otherwise get. Obviously, they had more segments than this, but Jesper also knew that the extra effect from additional content variants would quickly wane as they went further down the list of segments. For the rest of the segments, they were better off doing more generic content. He'd make sure the customer club data and insights were used not only in emails and on the web, but also in paid advertising. Existing club members would see ads for Sweaty Sunday, and the Facebook and Google algorithms were set up to look for similar audiences to those they'd shown ads to about signing up for membership and not missing the Sweaty Sunday discount. On Sunday afternoon, club members who had shown interest but hadn't yet made a purchase would receive a text message to further increase sales. Jesper felt confident that Sportmaster would meet its quarterly sales targets with this personalized cross-channel campaign. The narrative you've just listened to tells a story about how the sporting goods retailer Sportmaster leverages its creative messaging. The brand acknowledges the fact that when this messaging matches the corresponding segments, it drives higher sales and conversions. The team puts creative thought and energy into crafting messages that make it as obvious as possible for recipients that a specific message is relevant to them. What is a message? A message is something you as a marketer have a need and desire to tell a recipient. As shown in chapter 4, which explores why personalization works, it is clear that if you better match the the message to the fundamental motives and preferences of each recipient, there will be much better recall and thus interest among those recipients. Most messages will be about encouraging or enabling the recipient to feel, know or do something that will be in your interest. For example, if you want them to feel more warmly about your brand, you'll humbly apologize for any mistakes made or show them content about your sustainability efforts and how you're fighting to create a greener future for all. If you want them to avoid wasted store visits, you'll show them that their local store is closed this upcoming Saturday due to maintenance. Or if the expiry date of their credit card is approaching, you'll ask them to update you with their new credit card details to avoid inconvenient service interruptions. In the case of our opening case study, Sportmaster sent its members the message that Sweaty Sunday was approaching. Variations from channel to channel. Following the bow tie of personalization, Personalization is something that should happen before your message is built into a channel. So ideally, you'll decide on whom to reach with which message before creating channel-specific variants of each message. Depending on the channel, you'll have different options for text, images, video, and creative elements in general. But ultimately, it will be the same message regardless of channel. If you're working with a message about renewing an expiring subscription, then this will appear as a fairly short line of text in an SMS, and in a push notification to an app, or as a website notification if the recipient is logged in. The email version will have a subject line similar to that of the SMS message, but with more elaborate text, images, and links in the body. The version used in targeted advertising would be a more subtle and implicit version of the same message. The right software can help you greatly in managing your key messages and insights centrally, and furthermore, can make reporting easier across channels. Adapting message variants for different segments. In the opening case study of this chapter, Sportmaster had different variants of the Sweaty Sunday message for each of its customer segments. For the Family Child segment, the team would use images of parents with kids and say directly in the text that if you're looking for kids' sports equipment, then now's the time. They'd also highlight products that match this segment. More about that in Chapter 12. As we learned in the previous chapter, Customer segments can represent different geographies, religions, political standpoints, ethnic groups, and other demographics that you may consider when creating message variants. Major geographical differences in your customer database, such as Northern versus Southern Hemisphere, could make you consider something as practical as whether or not to show snow in your Christmas greetings. Taking this further than geographical location means accommodating different religions and customs. Either you make sure you know who celebrates Christmas, or you water the message down and send season's greetings instead of Merry Christmas. Using cultural differences in message variants. Consider cultural differences in your message variants as well. How you greet a customer in, for example, the US and Japan will be culturally very different. No one would be alarmed by the informal Hi, Josh in the USA, but a more formal Dear Mr. Murakami" would be appropriate in Japan Cultural differences among your recipients can also matter greatly when it comes to the images you use. When a company known to the authors launched in Russia, for instance, the locals were puzzled by the tattooed black woman on the front page of the company's website, especially given the connotations that tattoos have within Russia. There are very few black people in Russia, and tattoos are heavily associated with the mafia. So if the goal was to signal diversity and acceptance, then this was lost with an image having so many confusing local connotations. Beware of poor translations. An important thing to be aware of when crafting local language versions of messages is the difference between translation and localization. Direct translations can be at best hilarious and at worst damaging to a brand's image. In what now seems like ancient times, American Airlines wanted to promote the luxury of leather seats in its airplanes with the motto Fly in Leather. Directly translated into Spanish, this became Vuelo en Cuero, which sadly had the ambiguous meaning of fly naked. Motorola had used the slogan Hello Moto for several years. In Punjabi, however, Moto is a common nickname used for obese people. How about launching a global campaign that potentially insults 23.5% of India's population? Make sure that local markets are heard when launching localized content. Using parameterization for extra personalization. Using parameters or placeholders to dynamically insert data into messages on owned media, such as emails or websites, not surprisingly makes them feel more personal. For example, if you could see on a website or via email full usage insights on your company's subscription to a news service, for instance FT.com, this would definitely feel personalized. There are exceptions to the positive effects of parameterization, of course. For instance, we've all been tricked into thinking an email was specifically for us by the use of hello first name personalization, and then found that the rest of the email was totally not personalized. Consumers are smart. Don't try and trick them into giving you higher open rates without delivering real value. Creating value for customers in your messages. According to our definition of personalization, the goal is to create immediate and future business value. In order to create future business value for your company, it's important to also ensure that recipients of the messages you personalize perceive value. If you consistently don't and are perceived as too spammy because you send irrelevant messages, then you'll greatly jeopardize your future business value. So what then is value for the customer? First of all, value can be either gain-oriented or pain-oriented. Going back to the fundamental motives framework, see chapter 4, Recipients will be strongly motivated by the idea of evading physical harm or disease, or even just economic loss, for themselves or their loved ones. In fact, these pain-oriented incentives are stronger than gain-oriented incentives. Category entry points. Within advertising, famous ad man Byron Sharp and his team at the Ehrenberg Bass Institute for Marketing Science have coined the term category entry points, CEPs. These relate to situations where a consumer is thinking about your product and thus potentially entering into a buying decision within the product category. If you're selling Coca-Cola, then the CEPs will include organizing a kid's party, buying drink mixers for a party, and so on. If you manage to make your brand top of mind, for instance, people think of your brand in these scenarios, and available, for instance, on the shelves in people's favorite grocery store, in these CEPs, then you will be doing well. CEP is, of course, a branding term, but it is still useful when you're working with personalization, because it helps you craft the message related to the context in which a product can create value. As we shall see later, a CEP is also similar to what we call a moment of truth within personalization. Value creation in a broader perspective. Value creation naturally has more depth than finding the perfect mixer for a cocktail party. If, for instance, you work at a charity such as Red Cross, what then is the value you create for your donors? Are you delivering good conscience, social capital, or a physical product? It can easily become complex. To help put value creation into perspective, we can consider the work of Forrester Research, as presented at the company's annual Customer Experience Conference in 2022. According to Forrester Research, value for customers is created in a value network, and this has great implications for how you can conceptualize and communicate value. Value can be of an economic, functional, experiential, or even symbolic nature. Economic value might be provided through low prices, a discount or a voucher. Functional value might be provided via usage tips, support or even help performing a DIY task. Experiential value will be achieved through the actual use of a product or some sort of sensual allure, such as taste or feeling great. Symbolic value might come from knowledge that increases a person's social standing or self-affirmation. Consider, for instance, the value of storytelling about expensive products such as wine or art. Being able to tell a story about your new piece of jewelry or particular Barolo wine is half the pleasure and makes you stand out in front of your friends. Symbolic value can also just come from the feeling of belonging to a group or the very personal and private feeling of having supported a good cause. Considering all these different forms of value opens up many new messages that you could consider. Personally, we're disappointed not to have seen automated follow-up emails about wine we recently purchased. How come we haven't seen any wine merchants helping us to tell good stories after a transaction has been made? Using message variants when repeating a message. Even if your intention in sending a message to customers is to have them experience value, it isn't necessarily given that they will do what you propose. Just like in real life, within marketing, you often have to repeat yourself quite a few times to get the response you're after. However, it can easily seem shallow if you constantly ask the same thing in the exact same manner. If, for instance, you are asking customers to download and use your app, then consider having variants of the message that make the request in different ways each time. This will make customers more likely to notice your message and thus increase your chances of success. Try different approaches and reasons for downloading the app, such as get notified of flash sales and offers, or try virtual makeup through our app. Same message, different argumentation focusing on messages when working outbound. As you've probably noticed, in marketing, there's no time to wait around for people to notice your company and your offerings. Competitors would quickly steal the attention of your customers and you'd never increase your market share or get any market share at all. Unless, of course, your product is the best thing since sliced bread, which others may still not notice that it is. Obviously, there's a lot you can do to increase your market share with inbound marketing, such as search engine optimization and search engine marketing. The difference is that customers need some kind of pre-existing intent in order to look for your company on search engines. So if you want to maximize your success, you will need to use outbound communication. Specifically, show customers adverts and send them emails, text messages and app notifications. Reach out to people who don't already have some sort of intent means that you're basically interrupting them or even disturbing them. A customer wants to watch a guitar lesson on YouTube and has to spend at least 5 seconds watching a pre-roll video from your brand. Another is looking through their inbox for a concert ticket and sees 6 newsletters at the top. A third is on their bike to work and suddenly their phone vibrates. could be their friend, so they stop. Instead it's a text message about the flash sales you are throwing. Needless to say, in these situations it's extremely important to be on point. Customers are busy doing other things. You don't control the customer journey. Instead, you're intruding into their busy lives trying to get their attention. So you'd better earn their trust or they will switch you off. That's why personalization in outbound communication can make a huge difference. Is it really for me? The grand old man of direct mail was Siegfried Vogele, a German who developed the dialogue method in the 1970s. According to Vogele, People subconsciously ask themselves several questions when faced with direct mail. Who is it from? Is it really for me? Is it worth my time? For every question there needs to be a little yes in order for the recipient to proceed to the next question and hopefully arrive at the big final yes to whatever you propose in the direct mail. When a person receives an envelope, they spend the first eight seconds reading the address, identifying the sender and examining any other information. Then they may open it and unfold the content. All the while they are trying to find answers to those questions. Who is it from? Is it really for me? Is it worth my time? With emails, the process is much the same, although the attention span is far shorter than 8 seconds. If you don't get customers' attention right there in the inbox overview, it doesn't matter how great your copy is within the email or which products you chose to put in there. Once your customer does open the email, though, the content within it had better be relevant as well. According to Statista.com, in 2021, consumers spent on average 10 seconds reading those emails that they actually did open. If it isn't relevant, customers are quickly on to the next thing. The same goes for all outbound performance marketing. If you're not hyper-relevant, you won't get the yes that you're after. And too many no's over time can lead to the big no, with customers unsubscribing, turning off notifications, uninstalling your app, or simply ignoring your business. So, when we compare the importance of messages with that of content feeds in the bow tie of personalization, it's clear that messages are what matter the most when working with outbound communication. Content feeds, on the other hand, are most important when working with inbound communication where you already have the intent or the attention of the customer. Personalizing the choice of communication channel. We discuss a lot of digital channels in this book, and for good reason. However, there are other channels, ones with less or no digital aspect, whether message can mean a lot. The most important person-to-person touch points are when your organization meets customers in your chat, your support center, or in-store. In these cases, messages can mean a lot as well. We're not arguing that you should ask people to check out your current deals when they have just called you with a question. But once that question has been answered, you have a golden opportunity to ask a question of your own to deliver one message. So what should that be? In the exact same way that you need different versions of your message for different digital channels, you need a talk script version of each message for use by sales associates and call center agents. According to Stefan Kiergedale, head of custom insights loyalty and media at MATES, the first seed in the success of the Danish health and beauty retailer MATES was to more systematically and persistently ask in store customers whether they wanted to sign up to the company's loyalty scheme. Back then, in 2010, It wasn't proven that this would be more profitable than asking customers to add a small extra product to their purchase. It was a long-term bet, but it certainly paid off. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, which is a more classical podcast style, We'll be discussing the chapter you just listened to, namely, Content Part 1, Messages, together with Daughter Carlson, previous Head of Data and Insights at Storyhouse Egmont, and currently Senior Advisor at the agency Web2Media. How has Daughter seen different message variants contribute to a better, more personalized, and more profitable customer experience? Stay tuned to learn more.